Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. We're going to pick up where we left off in John chapter 5 after Jesus heals this paralyzed man and it's the Sabbath day and this really gets me. The religious leaders, they're, they're all in a tizzy because they're, they're more concerned with the man carrying his mat and get this, than the man himself. This guy has been paralyzed, unable to move for 38 years. And nobody would help him get in the water. With his condition, I'm sure he's probably lived like some homeless man who stinks and he looks gross. And you see, these, these religious leaders, they, they've probably walked through that area no telling how many times a day for 38 years. And they see this guy and they don't help him. Think about it. Not one of them has been there to help this guy into the pool when the waters were stirred. Oh no, you see... They were too busy following religious rules and making sure that everyone else was too. And they demand to know, I want to know who healed this man. You see, they didn't care that he can walk after 38 years. They only care that he is carrying his mat. And they want to know who caused him to carry his mat on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus finds the man in the temple and he has a little conversation with him. And then the man runs to the religious leaders and he tells them that it was Jesus who healed him. And then in verse 16, it says that the religious leaders started harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Now, I'll come back to that thought in a second, but I want to make a comment here. If we were to go question people in the street today as to why they don't follow Jesus or read their Bible, many of them would say something like this. Well, I can't follow the rules. Or they'll say... Uh, so-called Christians are hypocrites because they don't follow the rules themselves. Or they'll say something like this. They're too judgmental. You see, the Word of God is a weapon, yes. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts really deep. But don't use it to beat people up with it. You see, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Won't you be a sinner to be a sinner? No, that's the, the, the old Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper commercial. But you too are a sinner who God has shown grace to. So why not show some grace for yourself? I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it is our job to represent Jesus. And Jesus shows grace. Jesus shows mercy. Jesus shows love. Jesus shows compassion. You see, we, we, we are to love God and love our neighbor. Jesus says these are the two greatest commandments. And all this stuff that's going on in, in our world right now, and especially in, the, in America, in the United States, if we would boil it down to these two, if we would love God and love our neighbor, it would solve so many problems. And the other thing is we are to love God and love our neighbor but we're also supposed to tell people how to be saved. We plant and we water. That's it. That, that's our job as a Christian. We plant and we water. 
The results are up to God. And if, if, if God can't change a person, let me tell you something. Beating them up with a Bible, it's not going to change them. In fact, it only turns people away from God. But if we were to show some grace, if we were to show mercy, if we were to show compassion, if we would love like Jesus loved, it might change their life. It might show them Jesus. And then God working through us would change them. Just possibly. But see, this is the whole problem with these religious leaders. They claimed to be serving God, but what they were doing, it was the very opposite. Here they are staring God in the face, Jesus, the Messiah, the one they've been looking for for years and years and years, hundreds of years. They have studied the prophets. They've studied the Old Testament scriptures. So they, they knew that the Messiah was soon coming. And here he is. He is talking to them face to face, God in the flesh. And what are they doing? They're arguing with him. They're telling him that he has done wrong by breaking the Sabbath rules because he has healed this man and caused him to carry his mat on the Sabbath day. But wait a minute here. Jesus made the Sabbath. And it, he's going to tell them that in a roundabout way. He says, my, my father's always working and so am I. And after Jesus says this, they look harder for a way to kill him because he has made himself equal with God. Staring God in the face, they rejected the very God that they were supposed to be showing to the people around them. The religious leaders really had this thing so messed up. They took something God made for them, the Sabbath, for man, a day of rest and to focus on God. And just like with so many other things, they made up their own man-made rules to follow and made them binding as if God himself came up with them. And that's why Jesus tells them that they have made it impossible for people to be converted. And if they do convert someone, they make them a child of hell. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. When Jesus condemns them, he says, What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. In Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees see Jesus and his disciples walking through a grain field. My guess is they were following on them to spy on them, just waiting for them to do something so that they disagree with so they can pounce. And sure enough, they get the opportunity. Jesus' disciples reach out and they grab some grain and they eat it. Now you would think that all hell had broken loose because here comes the Pharisees condemning them for working on the Sabbath just because they broke the grain off and ate it. I mean, really? Is that something to be majorly concerned with? Is that going to really condemn somebody to hell? Is that really going to separate somebody from God because they were hungry and they broke off the heads of grain and they, they put it in their mouth and ate it? That's what they thought. Listen to what Jesus tells them in Matthew chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. He says, But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. The religious, the religious leaders didn't know how to do that. They did not show mercy. Oh, they had the offering sacrifices down pat, but they didn't show mercy. Jesus says, For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. As I covered it in an earlier podcast, Jesus was there at creation, and he created man. Genesis 1 is there. John 1. 
And he says, let us make man in our own image. I believe it's Genesis 1.28. And when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments from God, the fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, guess who was there? When Moses is up on Mount Sinai talking to God, God includes Jesus. Jesus was there and he made man. Jesus was there and he made the Sabbath. Jesus can do what he wants. The Sabbath day was made for man, not for God. Mark chapter 2 verse 27. But the, re the religious leaders, they had this backwards and they had it so twisted. But see, the, the, their biggest problem was that, was that they didn't show any grace. They didn't show any mercy. And Jesus pointed that out. They didn't show compassion or they didn't show love. Although they were supposed to be representing God to the people, they were doing the very opposite. And I got a question for you. You see, it's easy to read about these religious leaders, and it's easy to condemn them, especially when Jesus is wrecking them over the coals in Matthew chapter 23. But I want to ask you a question. What about, what about us? What about you? Do, do people see Jesus in you? Or do they see a Bible thumper that can quote a bunch of scriptures who beats them over the head with the scriptures when they're doing wrong? And that doesn't show grace, that doesn't show mercy, that doesn't have compassion, or doesn't love like Jesus loved. There's one thing that I've never really been able to do, and that's, that's quote scripture. Never been really good at it. My memory just it doesn't serve me very well, especially at 47 years of, old, uh, of age. But I know people who can quote scriptures left and right. They can quote chapters. But you know what, folks? It, it does. People don't care how many how many verses we can quote. You know, I can take my Bible because I bought a King James Bible when I was about seventeen years old, and I've used it to study with for thirty years. And I may not can quote a bunch of scriptures, but I I can find it really really fast, even without the use of Google. And I I know where it's at on on a page. I can turn to it real quick. But even though I can do that, if I don't show Jesus to people and have the attitude that Jesus has and shine the light of Christ out of grace and show grace and mercy and love and, and have compassion on people, they don't care how much scripture I know. They don't care about anything that I have to say if I'm not showing my Savior. And that's what Jesus, in, in Matthew 6, he's telling us. He says, watch out. He's, Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Because you'll, you'll lose your reward from your Father in heaven. And when you, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites. He's talking about the religious leaders. Because here's what they do. They're blowing trumpets in the synagogue and, and, and in the streets because they want to call attention to their acts of charity, Jesus says. No, don't do that. Don't be like them. Give your gifts in private, and your heavenly Father will, who sees everything, he'll reward you. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue so everybody can see them and hear them. No, when you pray, go, go by yourself. Pray alone. And the Father who, who hears you, he sees everything, he'll reward you. One of, one of the things that he did was try to show the difference between him and the people who were supposed to be pointing the way to him. These religious leaders, they acted the part 
They, they looked the part, but their heart was far from God. They didn't know the very God that they claimed to be serving. And that's what Jesus says, here I am, the Messiah. I'm standing in front of you. I just showed grace and mercy to this man who has been uh, paralyzed for 38 years, and you're more concerned that he carried his mat on the Sabbath day than you are that he's been healed and he can now walk and live a normal life. For the first time in 38 years, he don't have to live in this miserable condition that he's been in because I healed him. And you wouldn't even stop to give him two seconds to help him into the water when the water was stirred. No, you just passed by and didn't have anything to do with this guy for 38 years. Folks, we have to be Jesus. We have to show love. We have to show grace. We have to show mercy. And we have to have compassion. So many times when we read the New Testament, we see where Jesus was moved with compassion. And you look around in our society today, and especially what's going on in the United States, and you don't see these things. You don't see grace and mercy. You don't see love, and you most certainly don't see compassion. Because when we love God, and we're looking to God, and we're living for God, and then that, that's, that's vertical relationship, and then we love our neighbor, then the, our, Jesus explained that the, our neighbor is anybody we come in contact with. So if we're loving God and that relationship is right, then we can't help but love our neighbor. And we're going to be Jesus to our neighbor. And we're going to show them Jesus. And just those two commandments alone, if we would live by those two commandments alone, our world would be such a better place. So we have, a, we have to answer the question. Are we going to be like these religious leaders? Are we going to act the part? Or are we going to show Jesus? Are we going to be Jesus? Let's take a break. I have nothing left. Is there anything that doesn't look like it's hurt? Your shorts. My shorts. They're dirty. We're going to finish up John chapter 5 here. Uh, but in 19, verses 19 through 30, Jesus is trying to explain to these religious leaders that he's doing what he sees the Father doing and that he's not here carrying out his own will. He's not doing his own thing. And he tells these religious leaders, he says, if y'all think this is something, me healing this paralyzed man after 38 years, he says, basically what he says is, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to be doing a whole lot more stuff, even greater than this. And, and you know, Jesus had a way of slapping people in the face, but he wasn't actually slapping them in the face. He could put them in their place in a kind way. And he didn't do it in anger. He just did it by having a conversation. And a lot of times he would ask a question just to get the people to think. He could very easily lose his temper because these people should know who he is. They know the scriptures. They know the Old Testament. They know what the prophet said. They know the Psalms. They, they, sh they were looking for the Messiah. They should have realized that Jesus is the Messiah. But they didn't. They, they, they rejected him. And he could easily be angry with them. But he doesn't. He just has a conversation with them. And he, he, he puts them in their place by telling them that they are judgmental and that they don't honor the Father because they don't honor him. Now, now listen to Jesus talk to these religious leaders. He says, in addition, the Father judges no one. 
and, and that's what they were very judgmental. You remember when uh, the the Pharisee is is in the temple with with uh, the sinner, and the sinner is just beating on his chest, and he wouldn't even look up to God. And the Pharisee says, "I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector, this sinner." They they were very judgmental, and Jesus is sitting here and he's telling them. He he says, "The Father judges no one." Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And see, the Pharisees didn't do this. They didn't honor the Son, so they didn't honor the Father. And Jesus says, anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Look, the Pharisees... They didn't listen to Jesus' message. They rejected Jesus' message. And Jesus says, They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. Those who listen to the message and those who believe in God that has sent Jesus, they can have eternal life. That's what Jesus says. Those people who do these things, listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, they'll never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death to life. Well, the religious leaders, they didn't honor Jesus. They didn't listen to his message. And therefore, their sins, they weren't forgiven. And they have not passed from death to life. And yet, if you were to have a conversation with one of them, I bet they say, I bet they say something like this. Oh, I love God. Oh, I, I serve God. And yes, I, I share God. You know why I know? Because I can look at Saul, who was also called Paul, that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. For he, he was a Pharisee, and he was there at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians, all in the name of God. He thinks he's doing God a favor. He thinks he is doing what's right, or he thinks he is righteous in what he's doing by persecuting these Christians. And just as he's about to get to Damascus, and he's got some guys with him, a light shines around him and knocks them off their horses. And, and Jesus steps in and he says, dude, what are you doing? That's my version. And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting. See, he's been, he's been persecuting people, men and women, having them thrown into prison. And many of them died. But Jesus says, you're persecuting me when you persecute these people, my people. So what you need to do is go on to Damascus like you're going, but now you have a new mission. And see, that's what happens when, when we believe God and we listen to Jesus' message. He changes our life. He changes our mission. He gives us a new purpose. Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. And I want you to listen to what uh, uh, Jesus shows up to Ananias because that, Paul uh, is, is told to go. He's going to be given some instructions and he is by Jesus, and he is told to go to see this man, Ananias. And so Jesus is going to show up to Ananias, and he's going to tell Ananias that Saul is going to come and see him. And I want you to listen to Ananias' response. Ananias says, But Lord... I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. I mean, he, he's, he's having us put in jail and he, we're getting killed. And Ananias says, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. 
But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. Now let me ask you a question. Are you a religious phony? Let me explain that. The Pharisees were powerful religious people, but they didn't know the very God they claimed to serve. What about you? Do you know a lot about the Bible? Can you quote a bunch of scriptures like I talked about earlier? Can you stand in front of a crowd and, and, and preach? Do you talk a lot about God and, and wear your religious clothing and your religious earrings and your religious tattoos so people can know who, who you belong to? You know, that's all great if you, if you do that and if you do those things. But let's dig in a little deeper. Are you anything like the God that you claim to know and that you claim to serve? If not, why not? Because if we're not, then we're no different than the Pharisees and these religious leaders. And that's a turnoff for a lot of people. Put away the religious life, man, and, and, and get with Jesus and be real. That's what happened to Saul. He was religious. He was a Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew what the prophet said. He knew that the Messiah was coming. But he was amongst those Pharisees who, like Nicodemus said, they knew that he was from God because his miracles backed up his claim. But they rejected his message. They didn't listen. And they even put Jesus to his death. And Saul even thought that he was doing God a favor by persecuting these people who call themselves Christians or people of the way is what they were called back then. It's time for Christians to show up and be real. It's time to be Jesus. It's time to be his hands and his feet, especially in our day and time when there's so much turmoil, there's so much hate. We have to show grace, mercy, compassion, and the love of God. Now, my wife likes watching these shows that investigates crimes, and and they'll, in these shows, they'll they'll have some of the court proceedings. And if if you've ever been in a, in a court proceeding, you know that you you need uh, someone on your side to back up your uh, testimony. And we call them witnesses. And without any witnesses, it becomes your word against theirs. So Jesus is going to let these religious leaders know that he has plenty of witnesses that's going to back up his claim that he is the Son of God and that he is doing. The Father's will. And this is found in verses 31 through 47. And so he tells them that they're, he says, you were excited about John the Baptist's message at first when he first come on the scene. And he's, he's telling you all uh, uh, that, that there's one coming mightier than I and that the kingdom of God is coming. But yet that fills it out really fast. And Jesus says, but John was testifying about me. And then Jesus says that he even has even greater witnesses than John the Baptist. And he says, they're my teachings. And they're my miracles. If we were to visit a church service held by these religious leaders today, we'd hear something like this. Moses said, do not commit adultery. Or they would say something like this. The law of Moses says, if anyone wants to be rid of his wife, he can divorce her merely by giving her a letter of dismissal. In other words, Moses was their authority. And then Jesus comes along and says this. He says, the law of Moses said, you shall not commit adultery. That's all fine and dandy because God gave those words to Moses. Moses didn't pin those words on his own. 
God gave them to him. So that's fine. But Jesus says, I'm going to take it just a little bit further. I'm going to dig in just a little bit deeper. Because Jesus says, yeah, the law of Moses says you shall not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is basically saying is, yeah, what Moses said is right, but I'm looking at the heart. And see, that's the problem that, that people have with Jesus is because he don't look on the outside. He looks on the inside which is what God does. God knows everything about us, and he knows what we're made of, and he knows what's in our heart. And that's why a lot of people have a problem coming to God. They have a problem coming to Jesus because Jesus is going to go on the inside of us, and he's going to turn on this light, and it's going to show all this yucky stuff that we don't want to look at. He shows all this yucky stuff that we don't want to believe that's in there, but it's in there, and it's called sin. And he's here to wash all that mess away by his blood. That's what makes him so awesome. And so he's saying, yes, your authority comes from Moses. But now I say to you. And so so he uses another example. The law of Moses says if anyone wants to be rid of his wife, he can divorce her merely by giving her a letter of dismissal. That's fine and dandy because that came from God. But I say that a man who divorces his wife except for fornication causes her to commit adultery if she marries again. And he who marries her commits adultery. And there's other examples that we can use. They're all found in Matthew chapter 5. But we even get a glimpse of what the people thought as they heard Jesus' teachings in Mark chapter 1 verse 22. When the Bible says that the people were amazed at Jesus' teachings, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So Jesus tells these religious leaders that his witnesses are John the Baptist, who they rejected the message. And he said, you didn't believe him. My teachings are my witnesses, and you're not listening to them. And he says, also, my miracles. Well, just listen to a Pharisee's own words, Nicodemus, in John 3, 1 through 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. This is coming straight from a Pharisee's mouth. He says, we all know God has sent you to teach us by your, uh, because your miracles are evidence. All means every Pharisee, and there was around 6,000 of them. And they believe that God has sent Jesus because of the miracles that he's working, and yet they chose not to believe in him. You know what this tells me? The religious leaders were constantly asking Jesus to show them a sign and do a miracle to prove that he was from God, but they already knew that he was from God. Nicodemus said so. And people do the same thing today. Show me a sign that God is real and I'll believe, or show me a miracle and I'll believe, but they won't. They won't because we have even more witnesses than, the re- than those religious leaders have when Jesus was talking to them on this day in John chapter 5. Not only do we have John the Baptist, not only do we have Jesus' teaching and his miracles, but we also have all the apostles and the people in the New Testament that were persecuted for their faith and gave their lives for it. Think about this. Do you think people are going to give their life up for a lie? 
Do you think they're going to be tortured for a lie? For something false? No way. And then we have all these people that are living today, people that you know personally, that God has changed their lives. And, and just look around. Look at, God, look at God's creation. Now, I, I live in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains here in Maryville, Tennessee. And you want to talk about beauty. The sun comes up, peeping over a mountaintop while a creek rushes over the rocks, creating the most soothing sound. It's beautiful. Or we went to Myrtle Beach for vacation this year, and, and you know, to me, the, the beach is great. It's pretty, it, it, you know, for a few days, and I'm ready to come back to the mountains. But let me use this example. Picture this. You're sitting on the beach as the sun rises over the ocean, and you hear that powerful, majestic ocean waves crashing on the shore as birds fly over, and there's little crabs crawling around, and there's sharks, and there's dolphins swimming by. You see, nature is a great witness for Jesus. He created it all, as we've already covered. But listen to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Listen to this. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. People, whether you believe it or not, there is a God. He has a son. His name is Jesus. And he died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He was put in a tomb and he came out three days later walking out holding the keys of death and hell. And he loves you like no other and he wants you to be saved. You have a choice. Just like those religious leaders of Jesus' day did, those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those scribes, they had the choice to either say yes to him or no to him. He has given us all the proof that we need. Watch your choice. And if you've made a choice to follow Jesus, can I say this? Then act like it. Be Jesus and offer compassion, offer grace, offer mercy. And love like he loves. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Look. All my life.